Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of the things I sometimes think is my duty, obligation around here is to make you aware of everything that's being said nationally about Georgia. Sometimes we kind of pull back outside, as I call it, the bubble of Dog Nation, and we give you the the national opinion on UGA because sometimes there is insight to be gained from people who are kind of viewing this from the 10,000-foot spot as opposed to our very zeroed-in, very much under-the-microscope viewpoint that we all kind of um, kind of see things from around here. Sometimes, though, it's not necessarily that way, and sometimes, though, it's the kind of take that makes you roll your eyes. Maybe an example of the latter here when it comes to ESPN's Kirk Herbstreit. Now, let me just say one thing here for a moment about Herbstreit, and then I'm going to let you play audio that probably annoy you just a little bit. So trigger warning here on that before we play it. Like, you can be upset with Herbstreit about what you're about to hear, but you can't say that Herbstreit's like an anti-UGA guy. You know, Herb Street very much argued for Georgia making the 2018 playoff, actually kind of argued for Georgia being one of the four best teams at the end of last season when it wasn't even a consideration that Georgia would make the playoff, but he was touting Georgia along with Oklahoma on the playoff show when the final four was announced a year ago. So Herb Street, I would say, generally speaking, is a little bit more of a pro-UGA guy than not. So it's not going to be some sort of anti-UGA bias here, I don't believe, in the person of Kirk Herb Street, but... When he made an appearance on the ESPN podcast, the college football podcast this week, you know, kind of going around the country and giving thoughts in the big games, Herb Street, like Florida fans themselves, apparently took a lot from the Gators in their close loss to Alabama. And in fact, what's interesting here is, is Herb Street took what he saw in Gainesville with Florida coming up short against Alabama and used this to point the finger directly at Georgia and saying, be careful, dogs, when it comes to Florida in Jacksonville and in this race for the SEC East that apparently Kirk and some of his colleagues there thought was a foregone conclusion that George was going to win, and now Herb Street's not quite so sure. So before we do anything else today, let me give you a, a little bit here of Kirk Herb Street maybe taking a step back on his belief that George would be an easy winner of the SEC East on the basis of a game that Florida lost. Here's Kirk Herb Street. I didn't take away from it like what's wrong necessarily with Alabama. I took away from it like, damn, there goes Dan Mullen again. Yep. There goes Dan Mullen. <laughs> There's Dan Mullen reminding people he is a great coach. And I walked away thinking, okay, Georgia. Okay, Georgia. Okay. We were already putting you in Atlanta. That's a mistake. We just always get reminders in the sport. Like just when you think I know – you don't know. You really don't. So I want to make one thing pretty clear here, just to make sure we're on the same page. When Herb Street says it was a mistake to put Georgia in Atlanta, it doesn't mean he thinks that Florida's not going to win the SEC East. What he means by that is because the rest of the comment, which I just don't have time to play, made this a little bit more clear, that it was a mistake to assume it was going to be easy for Georgia to win the SEC East. And on that point alone, on this show, we're 100% in agreement. We've been telling you now for really several months there were some people that tried to make it sound like the Florida was simply going to fall off the face of the earth because it lost Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and Kandarius Tony and guys like that off last year's team. And we've said openly, we don't have any you know problem. If I pulled my pullover off today, you'd see I have the Gator Hater shirt on underneath what I'm wearing today, that 
that we don't have any problem saying that we would like for it to be true that Florida was terrible. That's our That would be our preference. That would be our wish around here. We are truly Gator haters. We think all Georgia fans should be. So we want Florida to be bad, but just because we want it to be true doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be true. And, you know, for like guys like Phil Steele and maybe some other folks, ESPN types, who had had Florida out of the preseason top 25, we called that out as a mistake at the time, and I think we've been proven correct by by ha- having thought that. So if Herb Street says, oh, be careful assuming the, that, the, that the trek through the SEC East for Georgia is going to be easy, totally fine with all of that. Like the one thing that I do just genuinely disagree with, though, is the idea that the SEC East race has been completely reframed now because Florida played a close game in a loss to Alabama. I think that's taking things a little bit too far because I frankly wasn't all that surprised by what I saw from Florida uh, against Alabama. We thought that Alabama had a chance to sleepwalk through that game. We've seen the Crimson Tide do that in similar spots before. Alabama, I believe, and I'll shake that off, and after playing Southern Miss this week, we'll probably go on another run in the SEC, in the SEC West, similar to some of the things they've kind of done in the past. That's just kind of what I assume is going to happen there. But I think a lot of the overpraise of uh, of Florida that you may have heard over the course of the last six days or so I think a lot of that's just generated by the fact that some folks were kind of napping and not fully appreciating what this game had the chance to be when it was 21-3 early between Florida and Alabama a week ago that's the kind of snapshot that I think a lot of people just assumed the entire game was going to look like because I think there were a lot of national types that didn't quite do their homework going into Alabama and Florida because when Alabama's on top it's easy to think they win every game easily but when you really look at what happens in SEC play over the course of the last four years it ain't always quite that way and this one sort of set up to be a little bit more like that than some of the people who didn't maybe do their homework on this game probably assumed it was going to be however the other thing that Herb Street kind of touches on there and I think this is so important and this is I think the thing for a Georgia fan that you really take from this is that Herb Street kind of reinforces the opinion of, oh my gosh, Dan Mullins. I think at one point in time in the, the podcast, like I said, I don't have time to play like the whole thing. But at one point in time in the podcast, Herb Street calls Mullen, oh, this magician, this guy that just finds a way to sort of carve up this scheme and dial all this kind of stuff up. And boy, he just finds a way to whatever talent you give him, he finds a way to get the most out of it. I mean, you know, that's the kind of praise that Dan Mullen receives. And in a roundabout way, there's kind of like a backhanded compliment on the other side of that when it comes to Georgia of, well, Georgia collects all this talent, but Dan Mullen coaches his talent up. That's the caricature that gets drawn. And by the way, it's one of the reasons why I say all the time that for Georgia, the Florida game is so important because you don't want that narrative to fester. You don't want that narrative to have any legs whatsoever, that Dan Mullen does more with his lesser talent than you do with your superior talent. That's why Kirby Smart ought to have great motivation. I believe that he does, but he ought to have great motivation to want to go out and squash the Gators because squashing that talking point is really, really important for Georgia. When Mullen found a way to win that game a year ago, it just gave life to it, that he may have lesser players, but he gets more out of them. You don't want that to have uh, be said about your best and, and, and most important rival. So Georgia's got a lot to play for when it plays Florida here this year. But beyond that, I think it's also important to point out when certain things may not quite be true. You know, this notion that somehow Georgia is just throwing a bunch of talent on the field and letting them figure it out during the game. I think if you're watching Georgia very closely right now, I think that you're saying, no, I believe right now Georgia's actually a lot more than that. I mean, I don't think you create a defense as dynamic as what Georgia's has proven to be through three games through sheer talent alone. Because the truth is, 
Georgia's always been talented defensively. But now the defense that in the past may have been stingy is all of a sudden now unleashed and unlocked, and it is allowed to be aggressive. It's allowed to sack quarterbacks. And Georgia, in that game against Clemson week one, it probably doesn't win the game, or at least had a very good chance of not winning that game had it not been as effective at getting the quarterback as it turned out to be. And that's not just five stars who are getting that done, although there were a lot of elite recruits who contributed to the defensive performance that day. It's also a guy in Dan Lanning who is coming into his own. Remember, Georgia kept Lanning over the offseason. Lanning had a chance to go be Texas defensive coordinator and turn that opportunity down. Georgia kept him. We said at the time it was one of the biggest offseason stories of the year for Dan Lanning because Lanning's personality as a coach came shining through a year ago. Not a great year for Georgia defensively, but they were better getting after quarterbacks than they had been at any point in time previous to that. That has carried over here to 2021. So it's not just talented players that are allowing this Georgia front seven to be as dominant as it has been. It is a scheme that is now willing to unleash them and mitigate the risks that come with that. Because obviously anybody's secondary Georgia's maybe has a couple of extra issue a couple of extra issues here but anyone's secondary is going to be put in more harm's way if you allow your front seven to be as aggressive as Georgia's is currently being but a good coach finds a way to mitigate against that for the most part that's exactly what Georgia's doing so it's not just talent that is the story for the Georgia defensive performance it's also the coaching scheme and the way that Dan Lanning the defensive coordinator is deploying that talent right now it's not just in other words Dan Mullen who's the only coach in the SEC East who has a chance to be a magician some of the stuff that guy like Mull- uh, that Lanning's doing seems pretty magical right now too to say nothing of what's happening for Georgia on offense yes the dogs weren't very good against Clemson week one but we said in the weeks after that Georgia had a chance to get better Georgia had a chance to improve against UAB against South Carolina I would say that has been happening at the rate that some Georgia fans want it to maybe maybe not they'd have to tell you themselves but going into the Vanderbilt game on Saturday Georgia to me is on schedule for the improvement I was hoping to see from it with all those very tough games in the month of October starting next Saturday when Arkansas comes into Sanford Stadium and by the way it's one of the reasons why I'll have very close eyes on the Vanderbilt game this Saturday it may seem like a boring game but the truth is boring people are bored that there's actually if you really look more closely at the game you see a chance for Georgia to win easily which is not always as easy as it looks sometimes in the SEC you see another chance for Todd Munkin to really to continue to assert himself in what has been I would say a pretty clever deployment of Georgia talent on offense right now there too so Georgia fans kind of you know roll their eyes at Kirk Herbstreit you know loving on Dan Mullen and giving Georgia a warning saying watch out for Florida the honest truth is Georgia was already watching out for Florida Florida will have Georgia's full attention on October 30. And if the media is just now catching up to all this, that's not Georgia's fault. That's the media's fault. But as far as what's actually happening with UGA right now, it's not just talent alone getting this done for Georgia. I think Dan Mullen, excuse me, I think Dan Lanning, Freudian slip there, and apologies to Lanning for putting him in that company. I think what Dan Lanning is doing defensively, what I think I see Todd Munkin doing offensively with more improvement maybe still yet to come here against Vanderbilt, I think the X's and O's advantage those two coordinators giving Georgia right now are just fine in comparison to anything anyone else is doing in the SEC, uh, Dan Mullen at Florida included. Now, with that said, let me completely shift gears to something else just for a moment. I want to talk about a Georgia player in particular, and if you want to think about the ways in which the chess match for Georgia is working out pretty well, think about the ways in which Todd Munkin, the Georgia offensive coordinator, 
is utilizing tight end Brock Bowers. This is an example of a coaching scheme that's really working because Georgia's getting as much out of Bowers right now through three games, really to begin his Georgia career, as it's probably gotten from anybody in this spot since the start of the Kirby Smart era going back to 2016. And it was kind of a funny moment earlier this week when Georgia quarterback JT Daniels was asked about the infusion of talent from the state of California on the Georgia roster, Daniels himself included. And for a brief moment, he forgot the fact that Bowers kind of belongs in that group. This is short, it's funny, and it sets us up for something else. Here's Brock. Here's uh, JT Daniels and Brock Bowers. I was going to say, I thought it was just me and Kendall. No, I totally forgot Brock. Brock's from, uh, you know, he's a NorCal kid. It just didn't come to mind. Um, but yeah, no, we, we definitely have a good uh, California impact. So for a moment there, Daniels kind of forgets about Brock Bowers when looking at the roster of players in the state of California. But one thing that Daniels has not been doing is forgetting about Bowers on the field. I think you can say that Bowers has been the most trusted, dependable target for this Georgia offense all season long when Daniels has been throwing, when it was Stetson Bennett during the UAB game. The numbers for Bowers so far this year, 14 catches for 203 yards. He's already got two touchdowns. Now, the high watermark for any pass catcher in the smart era is what George Pickens did as a freshman back in 2019. So kind of ironic that what Bowers is pushing for here is not just the the top receiver total that that Pickens produced, but the fact that he also produced it in a freshman season makes the uh, the comparison here pretty interesting. That particular year, Pickens had 49 catches for 727 yards and eight touchdowns. It is absolutely conceivable that that Brock Bowers could could meet, could match or exceed those numbers as the season continues. And some of this is clearly about the fact that Brock Bowers is a sensational athlete. I mean, I would say that his athleticism, having seen him on the field, is even greater than I assumed it would be. There was a lot of buzz about Bowers during the offseason, but the actual performance and the, and the way in which Bowers has gotten it done has even exceeded the expectation that I had for him based on some of the whispers sometimes off the record that you kind of heard about Brock Bowers leading the start of the season. But to me, this is also an example of a guy being used well and there's a way to just not use tight ends effectively unfortunately maybe Georgia fans feel like they've seen some of that kind of stuff before and Bowers athleticism alone isn't enough to get him open you've got to have a clever scheme that creates that for him and I would say that's kind of going on uh, for Georgia right now now when Kirby Smart talked about this on Monday he said listen a lot of this ends up being about the kind of guy that you have playing the position being the kind of guy you want to use but either way, there's a lot about what Georgia's doing with Brock Bowers right now that looks awful similar to what a lot of those NFL teams are now doing on Sundays, too. And Smart did talk a little bit about that. Here is Kirby. Yeah, I think it's just based on who the tight end is. Like, he can also play on special teams. He can run. He can catch. He can run after catch. He can block maybe a little, maybe a lot, depending on who it is. Um, the tight end position has evolved in the NFL, therefore it's trickled down to uh, high school and college offenses. But it's really about who the guy is, right? It's not like everybody wants to just say, well, the tight ends are getting used more. The tight end. Well, if, if you've got a tight end that runs 4-5, then, you know, then he presents a, a viable option. It's a threat in the passing game, and if he's physical and tough enough to block and block on the perimeter, I mean, you give me any player who's 235 pounds and can run – four or five then we'll find a way to use them and uh, I think that has a lot to do with his skill set so when I look ahead to the Vanderbilt game on Saturday I think maybe the single most interesting name of any of the Georgia players I'm curious of seeing Brock Bowers may actually be that guy 
I am curious to see if he takes another step towards being the kind of receiver for Georgia in 2021 that George Pickens was as a freshman in 2019. The touchdown total, the overall yardage total, the number of times he's getting targeted. Does this truly continue? Because if it does, as Kirby Smart alluded to, that when you're schematically using your your tight end that well, all of a sudden defenses have to completely reconfigure the way they're defending you. And all of a sudden, more matchup opportunities are created for Georgia's other pass-catching targets. In a lot of cases, that's going to be very talented receivers who may all of a sudden find their counterpart on the defensive side a little bit more favorable matchup because what teams are having to do to consider what Brock Bowers is doing. And that's, by the way, before a guy like Darnell Washington even comes back into the fold, uh, expected to return back from injury again pretty soon. So it's pretty clear that Bowers is a unique talent. His athleticism to go along with his size, that makes him somewhat special. But it's also pretty special right now how George is choosing to use him. When you think about matching wits with a guy like Dan Mullen or Todd Grantham on the defensive side of the ball or any of the other chess matches that Kirby Smart and his staff are going to face the rest of the season, deploying a guy like Bowers as effectively for the rest of the season as Georgia has for these first three games that could be a big step towards a championship for the dogs as the season progresses. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger. Good to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, starting at 945 with our first and 15 at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 963F, the podcast player, Apple, Spotify, everything in between. We're just really happy to have you. For Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger today. And as I said before, big thanks to our friends at Kroger making it all possible. You know, you can make your tailgate a triumph right now with big savings on all the items that you need to enjoy tailgating. Whether it's a Friday night, Saturday, or Sunday tailgate, Kroger's got you covered for all of it. Uh, big savings on those barbecue supplies, the food that goes on the table, the drinks that go in the cooler, everything else there. You can go to Kroger.com slash football to find out more about that. Kroger.com slash football to find out more about that i'll also give you a, a quick reminder that if you go to the dog nation youtube right, page right now really fun series of videos that uh, i did jeff Sintel, connor riley we did with a uh, chef john from kroger really fun stuff looking at ways in which you can kind of kick your tailgate up to the next level this was actually I, I thought it turned out really well we did these a few weeks ago it was really fun and i got a chance to enjoy some delicious ribs from uh the chef there from kroger's that was really fun cool stuff so Go to the Dog Nation YouTube page. You can see more of that for yourself there today. For those of you watching us right now on YouTube, we appreciate you being there with us on that too. So it'll be Jeff Sintel coming up. We'll go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff, and we'll get an update on all of the latest with UGA recruiting. Big visit weekend last weekend. A lot of guys kind of making their movement towards some decisions. We'll cover a lot of that with Jeff here. Also, as a preview for that, let me also mention a name as we go around the doghouse. Delivered today by our friends at Marco's Pizza. Late last night, Georgia got a commit from a 2023 offensive lineman, Bo Hughley. Let me show you the uh, really cool edit that Hughley kind of puts out there on that. It says, I want to thank all the coaches that have ever played for in my life. I'd love to thank my parents. I'd also like to thank Kirby Smart for, for this chance. But I'll be taking all my talents to the University of Georgia, of course, the product out of Langston Hughes High School in the Atlanta area. Total candor here for a moment that for whatever reason – for as insatiable an appetite as the college football fan typically has for his team's current recruiting class, Georgia fans uh, no different on this, 
there is usually a little bit less of an appetite for that 2023 guy, the next cycle. Sometimes you have to kind of shake people out of their slumber a little bit. And literally last night, that may have been the case at midnight with most of us sleeping when when Hugh, uh, Hughley made his announcement. But you have to kind of shake people out of their slumber to let them know, hey, this is a pretty big deal. And in the case of Hughley, that is definitely the case. I mean, if you look at the 24-7 sports composite right now, this is the number 72 player nationally for the 2023 cycle. This is the number six offensive tackle. This is a guy who already checks in at 6'7", 290. You want these big tackles in the Georgia program, and it's harder to find those, right? Uh, I think Hughley definitely kind of checks that box there. This is one of the top players in the state of Georgia for the class of 2023. So this is a pretty big-time addition for Georgia. And we'll let Jeff Sintel tell us more about this here in a moment, but you know, not every commit's created equal. Some of them are going to matter to you more so than others. That's just a fact. And this is one of those that in the midst of the season, with you thinking about Georgia on the field or with you maybe kind of prioritizing some of the 2022 names right now, it's important to note when Georgia gets one that's going to be a very important bedrock piece of the future recruiting class because you fast forward to a few months, a lot of you will have acquainted yourselves a lot more with Hughley there at that time, and you'll realize that Georgia has really added itself a big piece by getting them there to a day. And it was great to see him pull the trigger on that commitment there last night. Hope you'll pull the trigger on some great pizza choices as we head towards the weekend. And that's Marco's Pizza. That's why they deliver around the doghouse to us each and every Friday. And they can be delivering great pizza for you as you head towards the weekend there too. I'm talking about the mouth-watering golden brown crust that's always baked perfectly. The three melty cheeses that are melted and gooey on top. You love that. The old world toppings, the pepperoni, the sausage, everything else. That is what Marco's Pizza is famous for. True, authentic flavor. Uh, it's in every bite of a Marco's Pizza. Also the great savings there as well, including a bundle of options that really can feed an entire family. How about a large one-topping pizza, a pizza bowl, which is the pizza flavor without the crust, which is, if you think about it, a pretty amazing piece of technology, and the cheesy bread there as well. It's all just $21.99. So big savings on the large one-topping pizza, the pizza bowl, the cheesy bread, just $21.99 for all of that. You go to the Marcos app or marcos.com to find out more about that. Participation does vary, so uh, check out the website and your local store for more details on all of that. But ultimately, just enjoy yourself some Marco's Pizza here this weekend because when it comes to Marco's Pizza, pizza lovers get it. All right, before we're done, good stuff from Georgia this week, highlighting the performance of Georgia fans. The last time the dogs went to Nashville, will we see a repeat of that uh, here this weekend? We'll find out very shortly. Also, Kirby Smart had a shout-out this week for another former UG athlete competing in a different sport besides football. I think it's worth getting your attention on this before our show is done. So we'll do all of that here. We'll also have one more big look at the other games of the weekend. But for now, on the latest UGA commit, big edition of the 2023 class late last night, uh, follow-up to the visitors on hand for the South Carolina game, a big five-star prospect has made a major move. There is so much to get to. Let's cover all those bases right now as we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, presented by AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, it's Jeff Sintel on the road, assisted by AAA. And boy, Jeff, there was a pretty big announcement late last night when it comes to the 2023 class for Georgia. And what I said before you joined us was, is that, you know, 
sometimes you have to really you know kind of get people's attention when it comes to a future recruiting cycle of this is one you really want to pay attention to people just have the the natural reaction to think about future classes less prominently than they think about the current recruiting class that's just fact of life it's not good or bad it just is but in the case of Hughley this is one that Georgia fans should want to know this is a bedrock member of this 2023 class the dogs a big big get as Georgia looks to replenish the depth at its offensive tackle spot, uh, Hughley certainly helps you with all of that, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, you, you have a good point there, Brandon, and good morning, uh, everybody. Uh, it was an early morning for a lot of folks at Dog Nation to celebrate uh, this morning. But, I mean, he's number 72 overall. He's 6'7", he's 290. He, Brandon, I don't know. I'm going to get video of this soon, but the young man roller skates in his spare time on the weekends and Young man that big is usually putting dudes on roller skates, but seeing a six foot seven, two hundred ninety pounder roller skate is a side into itself. But I mean, you had a good point. I mean, really, it's the next recruiting class. But I'm going to try and frame it up. There's probably only like five guys left in the class that in the 2022 class that Georgia is recruiting for 2022 that is as highly rated as this kid. Uh, he really just converted to an offensive tackle a year ago. He has those measurables. He has the length. He has the size. Um, And really, he's very lean, Brandon. He looks like he's a 280, 290-pound kid, and he looks like that, what he actually is. But, you know, he's going to end up in college playing at like 325, and when when he is all that, he's going to be quite the monster. Yeah, no question about that whatsoever. And, of course, it follows up what seems to be a good bit of recruiting momentum for Georgia here right now, especially after the weekend that was with big names the the arch mannings of course i think a lot of the folks are watching on tv got more than their fair share of a chance to see from you know see manning on the screen saturday night of course and i why was on hand there as well other big names to consider what's your kind of immediate post-game takeaway from what saturday was like for georgia from a recruiting standpoint hosting all those big visitors and seemingly the presumption is those guys all saw a pretty good show yeah, Brandon, we said this on Hedges, and I'm I'm not really one for hyperbole, but knowing what everything that's going on behind the scenes in 2022 and 2023, and how Georgia has kind of you guys will see this phrase a lot in future stories. Those first two games, the impactful games against Clemson and now South Carolina, just the fact that they could be in Sanford, they could be on the field, they could witness the light show, it's really moved the needle a lot with Georgia's uh, major recruiting base, the guys that they really have to have in 2022, 2023, and even 2024, um, in a way that, I mean, Georgia's always had that stuff. They've had wins. They've had recruits in the stands. They've had the lights. They've had a great atmosphere. They've had the undefeated support of Sanford Stadium on a Saturday. The thing is different now is Georgia looks like monsters on the field. The five stars are playing like five stars. Uh, they've been empowered to just go beat the man in front of them and not maybe schematically have a safe scheme. I mean, really, this is what I said on Hedges. Georgia always had five stars on the, uh, in, the, in the talent base and on the roster, but they didn't always look like there was a clear edge in talent between the teams that they were playing. Maybe that scheme, maybe that's unleashing the defense, maybe that's havoc, maybe that's not putting the ball in the air as much as recruits like to see, but Georgia is putting down, like, finish him type Mortal Kombat moves on opponents now on the field. And really, that's something what these recruits have been dying to see. It's perhaps the missing piece in what uh, Kirby Smart has been trying to build on the field, on the recruiting trail. It's, it's really all coming to fruition. You see names like Anai White, 
Ernest Green the third, Ruben Owens second, Arch Manning, um, Christian Miller. You see all these guys, and they're just floored by what Georgia is bringing to the table now. They're going to be names that come to visit Georgia this fall. Five-star Shamar Stewart, Kamari Wilson, and they're all going to see uh, if they continue to see what Georgia's putting out right now, it's going to be a very good product. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And as you said, to me, it's, it's the most important development for Georgia of all this season because it, to me, is what leads to a championship, but it certainly leads to future UGA recruiting success. People want to see, I'm talking about people, I mean recruits, recruits want to see talented players utilized. It's not enough to go out there and you know have good fundamentals and keep the ball in front of you or, or grade out well. You got to go out there and dominate. And on the offensive side of the ball, that means touchdowns. Jermaine Burton's had a couple the last two games. Brock Bowers has a couple already this season. Uh, A.D. Mitchell got a touchdown last week. Uh, Arian Smith got a touchdown, you know, the week before that. That big time recruits are catching touchdown passes on the offensive side of the ball. They're clearly collecting a bunch of sacks on the defensive side of the ball. That big time talent through three games is being unleashed to create highlight type plays and I don't fault recruits for wanting to see that I don't fault recruits for saying that's my vision for my own college career and the fact that Georgia is putting that on display is not only a recipe for victories on the field I think it's also a recipe to kind of reignite some of these passions for Georgia fans who felt like Georgia's name wasn't connected as closely with some of the elite prospects through a lot of the summer boy when you're putting this product on the field for some of those recruits who haven't made up their mind yet I mean you certainly get the impression that that those recruits are going to notice this yeah I think Brennan let's be let's be very frank I think we live in a visual world now at least these recruits between the ages of 16 and 19 do and if you give them stats like Georgia's rated number one in total defense and number two in total defense or haven't given up a rushing touchdown and yada, 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 I think that will only go so far. But what Georgia's doing, here's a great example, Anai White. Anai White had an official visit to Georgia over the summer. That didn't go so well. If Georgia was at the time where Anai White was in town. Danny Dennis Sutton, who would later commit to Penn State, was also a major target at that position, and it was like, Okay, where's Georgia going to go? Where Where is all the love going to go? And, and with White, he was looking at Alabama. He was looking at Texas A&M and Ohio State. And those are schools that, you know, Ohio State can just point to Larry Johnson's track record with first-round draft picks. Chase Young putting up 10, 12, 15 sacks, looking, uh, looking invincible, looking like an action figure uh, across the, the fields of the, big, of the Big Ten. And it's always, you know, we can point to these scores, Brandon. We can point to a South Carolina game, a Kentucky game, a, a Missouri game, uh, games over the past two years where, where Georgia was like, well, that's a win, and it's good. One side of the ball looked good, or this guy looked good, but you don't see guys creating that visual Instagram real highlight all over the place. A good example is an I White. Georgia smartly put him and Cooper Manning and Ruben Owens uh, in the front row of one of the boxes of the West End Zone. The other box was Bo Hughley. Uh, Bo Hughley got kind of front second row boxes for both the UAB and the South Carolina games. But I think everybody saw it on TV. Georgia throws a long touchdown pass, uh, runs right into that West End Zone. Uh, the Georgia player, I believe it's Mr. Mitchell, runs into that end zone and, and has some a little bit of gesturing with the crowd. Turns out that that's right at Anai White. Later on in the game, Anai White is talking to – Cooper Manning, I think the, the the lip readers out there would notice Cooper Manning telling a nine white, Georgia's really good or Georgia's pretty good. Those are all these things where Georgia is putting, as well as that light show looks, 
as well as those black jerseys look, as well as those recruiting rankings look. Georgia looks like that on the field now, and I can't tell you how big of a difference that's making on their recruiting trail. Yeah, I think that's uh, really pretty interesting. Uh, I guess let's do a couple seconds here on Arch Manning. What did you take from his visit? And, you know, I thought it was pretty clever this week, Lane Kiffin kind of having it be known that he only follows Arch Manning on Instagram. That kind of gives you a nature of, you know, kind of how viral this recruitment for the famous last name is going to go. But beyond all of that, Georgia had a chance to make an in-person pitch to Manning this week. How do you think it went? I think it went great. I think, uh, well, first of all, with your Lane Kiffin statement, I think it's flighty. I think it doesn't really say anything while saying something. Uh, a lot of these recruitments are not conducted via Instagram. I think it shows that we're uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss is thinking that a quarterback's going to make the team. Uh, I don't think that's what uh, Arch Manning's looking for. I think Arch Manning is looking for a team that can compete for championships. If he had a uh, unofficial, veiled top group, I think, I think teams like Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia are in that top group. Uh, I don't think LSU is in that top group. Texas is probably in that top group. And I think what Arch is going to do is he's going to do sort of an old-school way of doing it. He wants to figure out his destination sometime in his junior year, kind of like Trevor Lawrence did. A lot of times we saw recruits four or five years ago make their decision before their junior year, their junior football season, that is. And uh Georgia's an undefeated college town. He loves the college town. Public comments have came, whether it's from Eli or his dad, Cooper, uh, about uh, how Georgia is a remarkable college town. Now they've got the defense that would get him the ability to play a championship. And I tell you what, Brandon, it would be the most Georgia thing ever. Uh, kind of like maybe what you might see at Oklahoma right now with Spencer Rattler. Uh, if he continues to flop a little bit on this big stage, uh, a former number one draft pick projection, a former number one overall quarterback gets eclipsed, eclipsed by the next big thing in less than two recruiting cycles, and the younger guy looks a lot better. I mean, I think the most Georgia thing ever would be somehow trying to figure out if Arch Manning came to Georgia. You want to talk about a quarterback problem that's been well-documented before. How in the world would Georgia fans get wrap their arms around uh, Arch Manning being added to the talent pool uh, at Georgia's quarterback spot? I know it's a, it's a, it's a very clicky name. Uh, it's a name that's going to draw a lot of attention. I think he's going to take a visit to Alabama. He's going to take a visit to Clemson. I bet he'll see Texas. Uh, and I think by the end of the season in his visits, uh, he'll have a good idea of where he wants to go. Speaking of having a good idea of where you want to go, there was an interesting move made as of late by the five-star defensive lineman Bear Alexander. I want to talk to you about that coming up in a moment. Let me, before that, though, remind folks that we're on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. Jeff and I both on the road here this weekend in Warner Robins tonight then various places, me, including uh, Nashville on Saturday for the Georgia Vanderbilt game. I'm thankful to have the legendary roadside assistance of AAA when I go, but that's not the only thing that AAA can do to take care of you. If you are a you know a prominent wage earner for your family, if, if it's your salary that's responsible for taking care of your spouse and for your children, one of the things that you want to think about is what happens in the event that something were to happen to you? What happens if you were gone? You know, How well taken care of would your spouse and your children be? with all of that. That's where AAA can step in when it comes to life insurance there as well, because they know in an audience the size of ours, a great percentage of the audience, if something were to happen to you within six months, there'd be a major financial need for your for your spouse, for your children, for everything else. And of course, the AAA Financial Services Associates can help make getting life insurance for you and understanding the coverage options available really simple. And they'll provide you great service there as well. So a couple different ways for you to get in touch. You can give them a call, 866-695-0222. That's 
888-222-2222. You can go by and speak to one of your local AAA offices there today and have, have that conversation in person. You can also ask uh, uh, and, and find out more online at AAA.com slash life. That's AAA.com slash life. You can find out more about that. Jeff, I was very interested to see, and I guess there had been some rumblings about this for a while, although I'm not really quite sure what the genesis of this is, that Big Bear Alexander has left the state of Texas and he only will now be attending the rest of his senior year at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. What can you tell us about what caused Alexander to want to make the move? And then I guess most importantly for Georgia going head to head with Texas A&M for his services, the fact that he's now no longer in the Lone Star State, how does that change that recruitment? Yeah, that's a, probably the biggest story, maybe in a couple of, couple of days at least on the Georgia recruiting beat. Um, here's where my mind goes first. I think – let me see if I can count them up. One, two, three. I think this would be his fifth high school in his, high, in his uh, academic varsity career. And I, I want to I tell everybody to stop right there and, and just think about a human being for a second. Uh, Bayer Alexander has basically been a transitory high school student for most of his life. Never had the chance to put roots down. Uh, he's been living in a lot of different places, getting to know a lot of different uh, fan bases and programs and communities. And a lot of that is just by the, the circumstances in which he grew up around. Didn't have a lot of great family support, any family support. In fact, the family that um, he had around him at times needed his support more than he needed, her, need, needed theirs. And, man, that's incredible to place on a young man, 13, 14, 15, 16 years of age. Uh, and now he's in the now he's going to IMG Academy to play to play a senior season and people are uh, I, I, so much jumps to conclusion hot take artists are happening right now on on the internet about you know he's transferring why is he not happy he's transferring because he wasn't eligible to play by the Texas uh, interscholastic their governing body of Texas high school athletics he wasn't going to get a senior season uh, so he's transferring to IMG about four games into a senior season for IMG just to have that senior year experience. A lot of times he's moved. It's because he's had to move with the, the guardian and the, the mentor that has taken over his care uh, since he was in the eighth and ninth grade. And Bayer Alexander himself has told me many times that this gentleman is the difference between what he thinks is, is being a statistic and maybe being a, a life and death situation with a life out on the streets where, with where the path he was going on prior to that. So, um, you know, one job, one, one job he moved because he moved because his, his guardian and mentor got a chance to coach and teach at this high school, uh, and then Bear wasn't wasn't granted eligibility to this high school. So now he's moving on. I think from uh, the humanity standpoint, I think I've covered that pretty well. From the recruiting, the Texas A and M Georgia tug of war, I think it helps Georgia's favor. I think it helps Georgia's odds in this in this race. I think this is going to be a situation where his heart might say he wants he wants he wants to go to one school and has to go to another school. And then his head might tell him he has to go to another. Um, there's going to be very creative things happening on name, image, and likeness with a young man who's, who's kind of nickname and he's already trademarked logos as Big Bear and the Big Bear. Uh, he's a great player, five-star, number 30 overall player in the country. For Georgia fans, this is what I want them to – this is how I see it, uh, the reading of the green, uh, perhaps, with this being Ryder Cup week. Um, he's no longer in the state of Texas. He's no longer living around Texas or Texas A&M fans. Uh, he's no longer has the ability on a weekend uh, to go to Texas A&M and College Station two, three, four times this year. IMG plays a national schedule. Uh, IMG will play. I think they're in Massachusetts this week. They've got Connecticut. 
They've got a game in Mississippi. They've got a game in Alabama. They basically travel and play a national schedule. It's going to be very hard for him to visit Texas A&M or Georgia at all. And when he does, he's going to, he's going to have to make those official visit trips in order to do so. Lastly, uh, Georgia and IMG have a great connection. Georgia currently has about five players on the roster. Uh, four players, I believe, to be exact, that played and played their varsity football at IMG Academy, most notably uh, five-star junior deep outside linebacker Nolan Smith. So I'm not saying it swings the odds in Georgia's favor, uh, but it definitely helps Georgia's chances because it takes away the local home field advantage for Texas A&M here in a lot of cases. Yeah, I want to squeeze in one more thing before we let you go, and that's really interesting stuff when it comes to Bear Alexander. But speaking of elite recruits, we get a chance to see some tonight on Peachtree TV, streaming on CBS46.com. Rusty Manziel is on assignment tonight. That means Jeff Centel slides in with me in the broadcast booth there for that game. And, you know, Jeff, we've already presented a lot of great prospects on TV thus far this season. I think Vic Burley, the 2023 defensive lineman, you want to call him that, for um, Warner Robins, is as interesting as any of them, as good. Certainly, as maybe as any of them uh, on the list of you know, there's maybe not one or two names on the list that would be ahead of him, but also really interesting prospect there as well. I am very very excited about showing Burley on TV tonight, and then for Lee County, who's got just big time prospects all the way around. Really, both these teams are loaded with prospects all, all the way around. You know, when you think about a, a freshman running back like Usmani Chroma, you know, so much of what we've done on TV this year has really been introducing people to the rest of the state and in some cases it's a national audience that tune, tunes in i think with this usmani chrome and the freshman running back i think he's going to be introduced tonight i think omar white the sophomore defensive lineman for lee county there are a lot of like 2024s and 2025s in tonight's game that i just think are going to really draw a much bigger following when this game is done tonight it's gonna to be great on peachtree tv but obviously uh burley one of the headline names there as well yeah definitely i think brandon you covered the gamut uh I wonder if you've got a, oh my gosh, a freshman call in yeah. your, in your uh, repertoire tonight because the young man from the Ivory Coast down there at uh, Lee County, I think he's averaging 13 yards per carry. He's got over 660 yards rushing so far through five games this season. 6'1", 200. Uh, Victor Burley is a guy, I'll be honest, I don't know if Georgia's in the driver's seat there for Victor Burley. It might be Clemson. It might be Alabama. Georgia's in the mix there. He's 6'5". 270, he'll play some offense. Had 11 sacks a year ago. Uh, different role this year. He's occupying a lot of blockers, freeing up some of his guys to do so. Uh, you've got, I mean, the stakes on this game, Brandon. This is kind of the peach of a game. Uh, Mr. Mandel, our good buddy Rusty, is on assignment, which means, hey, jump in the booth, Jeff. Get the left-hander in the bullpen, and it's kind of like telling the Georgia fan that, hey, your first game is going to be the, the 2018 Rose Bowl as a Georgia fan. How does that, how does that feel? That's, that's sort of what it feels like for me tonight in the booth with, with you tonight, Brandon. you got two number one teams. Very rarely see a number one team this late in the season because everybody, number one versus number one, everybody's in region play. You've got the defending 5A state champion against the, five, the 6A state finalist of a year ago. Uh, I think Lee County has six guys that are committed to Power 5 schools on their roster. Warner Robbins is just blitzing guy, blitzing teams uh, coming out of middle of Georgia. And I'm ecstatic, ecstatic, stoked, whatever you want to say. I'm going to be uh, hunkered down in that booth ready to watch some great football tonight. Yeah, it's going to be great. Can't wait for that. And, of course, Jeff, we appreciate you being here on the road with us, assisted by AAA. And as you're on the road tonight, 
on your way to uh, Warner Robins and a bunch of other stuff here this weekend. Be careful doing all of that. I'll see you in the game tonight and then see everybody else in Nashville tomorrow for Georgia Vanderbilt. So thanks so much, Jeff. We'll look forward to uh, what should be a very, very fun weekend. Yeah, AAA is a good name on everybody's mind, Brandon, because we're all on the road. Everybody drive safe, arrive safe, and get ready to watch some great football this weekend. See you, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really fun stuff. Tonight's game is just going to be outstanding. I, I really am very excited about it. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, Lee County's got a tight end going to Arkansas. I mean, you just got, you, you're just going to roll through all the names here. Uh, just very, very, very deep on both sides. State championship programs. Uh, Lee County's won them before. Uh, went down the wire with Buford last season. Warner Robins had been close in previous years. Got over the hump and won their state championship a year ago. So there are going to be thousands of people in attendance. There's going to be a huge audience on TV. There are you know tons and tons of like Power Five level prospects all over the place here. Uh, it's just going to be extraordinary tonight. So I'll see you on Petrie TV tonight. Jeff Sintel in place of Rusty Manziel. And a just a really, really fun game. Uh, good times all the way around. I know Rusty probably hates to miss it too because uh, I know how much he uh, loves these two teams and how much respect he has really for both coaches and, and the talent level there. This is as good as it gets. And it's, it's this time of year where you know, you're kind of – before you get into that region schedule, and obviously the region game is what determines your postseason fate, but in kind of this first half of the season – a lot of these teams feel a lot of freedom to, hey, we'll travel, we'll find a team that's willing to play us. Some of these very good teams, it's not easy to find a team that wants to play us. So you've got to match up with someone as good as you. Otherwise, you just can't get a game. And so in games like this, you can kind of let it all hang out. And that's exactly what Warner Robins and Lee County are going to do tonight. So really fun stuff there. And as you're tuning in to check that out, or as you're checking out any football here this weekend, of course, don't forget Classic City Lager, a great pairing for this. Also, Classic City Lager brings you the classic moment each week. We're going to do something kind of fun with that this week on Dog Nation. So it seems like Kirby Smart's got a quarterback controversy every year. Controversy may be the wrong word. There's some quarterback drama seemingly every year. There also was back in 2017 when Georgia played Vanderbilt, at least in the idea, uh, in the mind of then Commodores coach Derek Mason. So that'll be the subject of our classic moment this week presented by Classic City Lager. Y'all check that out on the Dog Nation video channels and get yourself some six and 12-pack cans of Classic City Lager wherever you're shopping here this weekend. It's just good cold beer, lager-style beer, but no sacrifice on flavor. It's a craft-style lager, and it's from Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's a taste of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. Try some Classic City Lager here this weekend. It is good cold beer. All right, let me kind of run through a couple of things here. Big game in the league this week, Arkansas and Texas A&M, Jerry World. Uh, I think this game is interesting. I believe the best unit on the field for either team is the Texas A&M defense. That's why I think Texas A&M will win, despite the fact they're still playing their backup quarterback in Zach Calzada with the injury to Haynes King. But it is worth pointing out here, though, that in the presence of Calzada on the field, how he matches up on the other side with the Barry Odom defense I think that's a pretty big deal there. I think I think watching that closely to see how Odom, who's former head coach in this league, was at Missouri, just a sharp mind, you know, what he does to potentially befuddle a guy like Calzada, I think is going to be pretty important. So if you're – a lot of us are Pittman fans. A lot of folks kind of hope he pulls the upset because they just like Pittman, but also they like the idea of Arkansas kind of being a bigger game for Georgia next Saturday, whatever your reason is, if you're either – want Arkansas plus the points or you want Arkansas to win outright seeing what the Odom defense does against the inexperienced Calzada who is pretty clearly going to be the backup 
King won the starting job resoundingly before he had to leave with injury in the Colorado game. Watching what Odom does against Calzada, big important part of that matchup. I saw where LSU coach Ed Orgeron has cast doubt on the idea that Derek Stingley will play when LSU goes to Mississippi State on Saturday. You know, to me, this is a huge game for LSU and obviously doesn't get any easier without Stingley. Stingley, by the way, who was really a far cry from himself in 2020 to compared to where he was in his freshman season of 2019. And supposedly that was all supposed to change because of the fact that, you know, Bo Pelini was no longer defensive coordinator and the new DC was going to have just better idea about how to use Elias Ricks and Stingley, the two very good corner, uh, cornerbacks for LSU. So I'm sure that for what's supposed to be a breakout year for Stingley, which by the way, did not really happen in the UCLA game. I mean, let's point that out. I'm a fan of Stingley's. I think he's a really good player. But, I mean, the LSU pass defense had big issues against Dorian Thompson-Robinson throwing the ball for UCLA in week one. They got after the quarterback some, but when he had time to throw, he was beating LSU for big plays, one of the reasons why LSU lost. So, you know, this is an LSU secondary that's still trying to find itself. And, you know, Will Rogers, the Mississippi State quarterback, it seems like, speaking of finding himself, seems like he kind of has done that a little bit. So, I guess I still kind of like LSU in the game. I think it's a game that LSU has to have. Otherwise, the 2019 National Championship really is ancient history. There is no steam left in the program from that really whatsoever. But if Stingley doesn't play, that makes things more difficult there. One more SEC through story to get to here just for a moment. I uh, did see it was interesting that there's chatter about the quarterback situation there at Tennessee. Joe Milton has played, has not played necessarily great. He's also been a little bit banged up, I think, there too. And so there's some talk of, well, maybe Milton's going to be replaced. But if he is replaced, it's not Harrison Bailey who would seem to step into that spot. That's the guy I've been kind of calling for as a way to build for the future of the Tennessee program. It sounds like if if Milton were to be the guy that does not play on Saturday, it'd actually be Hendon Hooker, the Virginia Tech transfer, who ends up taking the reins for Tennessee at the quarterback spot. Heupel has said this week that he only wants to play one of his quarterbacks, doesn't want to play two healthy quarterbacks during the game. So we'll see if Milton can go if they choose to go with Milton. And it sounds like if it's not Joe Milton, it may be Hendon Hooker, who just kind of has his chance to go out there and see what he can do against Florida. This is a Tennessee team that's actually moved the ball okay this year. They've scored you know plenty of points for the most part. Their defense is terrible, and that was expected to be. But a little bit of chatter about who the Tennessee quarterback is supposed to be after Joe Milton kind of looks like the same guy in Knoxville that he looked to be in Ann Arbor. Imagine that, but maybe quite possibly a little bit of a quarterback. I don't know if it's controversy because I don't know if anybody cares all that much, but uh, at least a situation at quarterback there for the Tennessee Vols will make that your SEC through. And in the time we have left here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, want to deal with a, a couple of things here for a moment. First of all, the Ryder Cup has started in Kohler, Wisconsin, up there at the beautiful Whistling Straits. It's a great facility. I don't know that it's great for a Ryder Cup, frankly, because there's not a lot of room to gather around the fairways and the greens and the way you get that U.S. crowd typically roaring. I don't know if you're going to see as much of that this week because the beautiful course just doesn't lend itself for the crowd getting very, very close to the action here, but we'll see if that's the case. I did see this. Dogs on Tour is a really fun Twitter account to follow that kind of follows the PGA Tour golfers with UGA ties. They also retweeted this week some Georgia fans up there in Kohler, Wisconsin. So dog fans always traveling, expected to have large numbers in Nashville. Also pretty good contingent there in uh, Kohler, Wisconsin there as well. Can we show this on the screen here for a moment? So it's uh, at Free Carl Free on Twitter that shows the uh, dog fans there uh, 
in color Wisconsin saying repping the G and got a ton of go dogs. Of course, Harris English is in the Ryder Cup on the American team. He's not playing in one of the morning round sessions right now, but he is playing there. Good look at him there on the screen. It was also kind of cool to see this week at one of his press conferences, Kirby Smart gave a nice shout out to Harris English as English represents UGA while also representing the USA at the Ryder Cup. This is Kirby on Harris English. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we got so many dogs on tour. It's, it's really incredible what they've been able to do. And Harris stopped by practice uh, not too long ago and uh, brought his dad with him and his caddy. And it was great to see him out there. Really proud of what he's been able to do. And he, he's a great person. And he represents University of Georgia the right way. I know I love being around him. Um, but we're pulling for him in the Ryder Cup. It's one of the most uh, watched and coolest events uh, there is in all of sports to me. I, I love it. So I'll be tuning in to see how he does. And, so that gives you all you need to know about the Ryder Cup as busy as Kirby is. He's like, hey, still the Ryder Cup, still the Ryder Cup. Give me a Sunday morning. I'll watch some of those singles pairings or uh, whatever else. So nice to hear Kirby still trying to pay attention to the Ryder Cup, even during the busyness of the college football season. Of course, speaking of Georgia fans a moment ago, I talked about those that have been lucky enough to travel up to Kohler, Wisconsin. Also, the last time George was here in 2019 in Nashville for the Vanderbilt game, the entire stadium virtually was taken over by UGA fans. Kind of a perfect storm of season opener, holiday weekend, uh, you know, whatever else, you know, you want to say about that. Just Georgia fans were just entire stadium was almost filled with Georgia fans. And I think there's some curiosity about how many Georgia fans there will be tomorrow I guess tickets are a little easier to come by this time around, so that may suggest a little bit smaller number of Georgia fans making the trip up to Nashville for maybe a number of different reasons on that. But I did think it was kind of cool. I won't show you the full video here, but you should seek it out for yourself. The official Georgia football social media accounts in their hype video for the game this week had really a pretty cool shout-out for Georgia fans in the stadium takeover last time around and kind of made a big deal about how many Georgia fans were up there in Music City in Nashville and how much fun they all had. So I thought it was really kind of a classy thing for Georgia to shout out its own fans and its hype video for the game. And I do hope in Nashville we see a lot of Georgia fans tomorrow. And if you're on your way up there, I'm not going to be in the Music City very long. I won't be on Broadway tonight. I'll be doing high school football. But um, if you do see me, please stop by and say hello because I'd love to say hello to you back. And hopefully we'll all enjoy the dogs beating up on the Commodores come Saturday. And to close out the week here, speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, let's do a Gator-hater roll call and give out some golden shoes. I have a couple to give out here today. Let's go ahead and throw the first one up on the screen. Our buddy Mad Dog, this is really funny. So if you're not watching in video, what you see is Dan Mullen looking through the rearview mirror. He's got the clown nose on. And there's like a collection of like Ronald McDonald's. <laughs> My, uh, Mad Dog says, when you're late to your own staff meeting, hashtag Gator-hater, hashtag golden shoe. It takes a lot of work to do this. you got to get the clown nose on Mullen, although I'm sure... That's no, you know, no big stretch. Looking through the rearview mirror with the uh, Ronald McDonald's right there. Uh, I guess we'll give a free plug to, uh, to McDonald's for that. Uh, but good stuff for a Mad Dog on that. You are a Golden Shoe winner. Also, our buddy Vince Nutt checks in to say a true Gator hater. Uh, the Georgia hat, the Gator over your shoulders. I'm always fascinated by these Gator hunter dudes. I mean, that's that's an alpha move if there ever was one. So a good job by Vince Nutt on that. Gator Hater Countdown, 36 days from right now. Y'all enjoy your weekend. I'll see you tonight in Warner Robins. See you tomorrow in Nashville, and hopefully it's a lot of good football. We'll talk about it Monday. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll see you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We are going to be quick today. 
high school football tonight, a lot going on, so we're going to get that weekend started for me and for all of you here. I do want to read one good comment, though. We talked defense off the top of the program a little bit with the work that Dan Lanning is doing, and we also mentioned this yesterday in regards to some of the stuff that David Pollock had recently said about this on the College Football Live show on TV, and Smarts the Man writes into our comment section there at dognation.com to say, this defense for Georgia has a chance to be great, he says. Truly be great. My concern is the secondary. They're very young, and there's not a lot of depth. The front seven is already very disruptive, and that's a great start. And I think that Smarts the Man's correct about that. And it's one of the things I think that you're impressed with when it comes to what Dan Lanning is doing here this year. And there's no doubt that Georgia has some vulnerabilities in its secondary, whether it be with you know, what's you know, going on with you saw Josh Fan, you know, get some big plays. Uh, last week you saw some pass interference calls in the Clemson game talented receivers are finding a way to put that Georgia secondary in harm's way but here's the thing I think I want to say about that is that any team that's as aggressive with its front seven as Georgia is is going to create some challenges for its secondary and you know listen one of the things that Kirby Smart's going to ask these guys to do is going to ask them to play in man coverage going to ask them to to really you know handle that that is the definition of sec level play when it comes to smart that's just kind of the way the way that it goes so i think one of the things you need to watch for is is not only how much does that group the back end the secondary short self up as you go through the season but also how well does dan lanning scheme things up in such a way to kind of mitigate against that because the one thing that I think you've got to give Georgia a lot of credit for it, at least based on what I think you've seen through three games and what you may be seeing you know, more the rest of the season is they're not sacrificing their opportunity to be aggressive just because they have some concerns on the back end of the defense. They're not doing that right now. Maybe previous Georgia teams would have. I mean, I think you can look at really good statistical defenses like the one in 2018, the one in 2019, and say that as good as this defense is, they just play too dadgum conservative. They, you know, they don't get after quarterbacks enough. They are protecting their defensive backs. Well, right now, you know, Georgia with maybe the temptation to want to protect them, they're choosing not to do that. They're picking their spots to really be aggressive, to really get after quarterbacks, to unleash all that talent that exists in the front seven, and find a way to not allow opposing offenses to exploit right now what might be a secondary that's still very much a work in progress. So pay attention to that part of the game. You may not notice it much against Vanderbilt, but uh, Missouri's got some pretty good receivers and seems like K.J. Jefferson is getting a little bit better as a quarterback, so you may have a chance to see that a little bit more next Saturday there as well. We appreciate you being here for R.S. Andrews Cooldown. Check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. R.S. Andrews shows up on time. They do the work that's promised. The price is promised, so make sure you check out R.S. Andrews today. Y'all have a great weekend. See you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Enjoy the game, and we'll look forward to talking to you then.